You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 144. The purpose of that is that you're dealing with a whole human being sitting there, right, in this conversation. And we know that every individual has two big bucket, if you will, primary needs that need to be met in this conversation. And one is that personal ego need, which is where the four emotional management techniques come in. And then the other is we need to get some kind of a positive outcome out of this thing. Like we've got to move the needle here and get this goal attained. And that is more the practical need. The six steps help guide you to get the practical need done. But the gateway in and the window for success is for sure going to be meeting that ego personal need as well. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello there. Welcome to the Star Coach Show, where every single week we explore a different strategy, tool, or resource to help you with your professional coaching, whether that is business building, skill development, looking for a different strategy, perspective, or tool to use with your clients. You have landed in the right spot, and I am so happy that you're here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach instructor. And this week, I am once again so excited to welcome you back because today we are doing a continuation of what we focused on last week with a different perspective around the same topic. So last week, we had Dr. Robert Schaefer join the show. And he talked about Meaningful Alignment, the new book that he has co-authored with Susan Steinbrecher. Now, last week, we looked at the inside game, how we can emotionally regulate to show up in conversations more effectively. We talked about the assessment tool that goes along with the Meaningful Alignment book. And by the way, that assessment is currently free to take online, whether it's for you or your clients, you might want to check that out. Go to starcoachshow.com and in the show notes for today's episode, as well as last week's episode, episode 143 last week, episode 144 this week, you will see a link for the assessment in the show notes. I encourage you, jump in there, take it, learn about how you tend to show up, what your motivators are when you are in conversations. So that's what we explored last week with Dr. Robert Schaefer. And this week, we have co-author Susan Steinbrecher on the show to talk about the outside game, how we show up with one another and the ways that we can have more effective communication with one another. We are going to do an exploration into the six-step process that is outlined in the book, Meaningful Alignment, Mastering Emotionally Intelligent Interactions at Work and in Life. Susan is an author of 
that new book, as well as a couple of others. So you're definitely going to want to allow Susan's experience to deepen whatever perspective you might have around communication. We're going to talk about being emotionally intelligent. We're going to talk about setting the stage for effective communication. And it's really powerful. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Susan in just a second. I do want to take just a minute to remind you that my purpose or my mission is to help as many people as possible know about the Star Coach Show. The whole purpose for this podcast is to help coaches connect with the resources that they need to be better coaches. So if you could share the show with other coaches that could benefit from the incredible expertise that people bring onto the show, I would be so grateful. Now, a few weeks ago, I did an interview with Karen Yankovic regarding best ways to use LinkedIn in our business. And I've started listening to Karen's podcast, and she asks her listeners to take a screenshot on their phone when they're listening and to post that screenshot with a comment about the show, which I thought was a fabulous idea. So if, in fact, you're listening to the Star Coach show like you are right now, take a screenshot on your phone and share that in social media Use hashtag Star Coach Show so that I know that you are tagging us in your show so I can share your post as well. So I want to thank Karen Yankovic for that tip that helps you get seen more. It helps the show get seen more and helps our incredible guests bring their expertise to even more people. So let's talk about our intelligent and incredibly talented guest today. As I mentioned, we are now looking at meaningful alignment from the outside game perspective with Susan Steinbrecher. Now, Susan is a business consultant. She's a licensed mediator. She's a speaker and the CEO of Steinbrecher and Associates Incorporated, which is a managing consulting firm providing professional development services such as executive coaching, group facilitation, and leadership training. It's through her many years of experience that she was able to pull together information to create the program in the Meaningful Alignment book, to be able to share that with us so that we can help others more effectively handle those high stakes conversations that end up costing organizations and individuals money, resources, and time when they're not handled effectively. We have difficulty managing many times difficult conversations. And Susan is going to tell us step-by-step ways to more effectively create successful relationships by gaining alignment with others. We're going to talk about emotional management. We're going to talk about effective communication steps. I mean, this interview is just filled with useful information you can put to use immediately. So let's go to our interview with Susan Steinbrecher around meaningful alignment. Susan, welcome to the Star Coach Show. 
Thank you for taking time to be with us. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be with you today. This is a fantastic opportunity. (laughs) Well, and you have some fantastic work that coaches need to know about. And that's how come when I saw you speak, I immediately rushed to the stage and said, would you be willing to come share your work with Star Coach audience? And you were so kind to say yes. Let's start with where I love to start with my guests, which is what drew you to this kind of work and what are you passionate about in this kind of work? Right. So the passion really comes from when I see so much disconnection and misalignment in the world today. I mean, it's crazy what we're seeing out there. People just can't seem to have what I call the conversations that they need to have. <laughs> kind of grown-up conversations, right? I mean, everywhere, yeah. whether it's at home, you know, spouse to spouse, partner to partner, parent to child, leader to leader. Right. And and then also in the workplace where you have two peers that have to align on something, but they're avoiding the conversation. Maybe there's been a a past uh, conflict with that individual. So they avoid at all costs. So all kinds of things like that are going on in the world. And I really feel like we have to provide people with the skills and the ability to do this better because we're all suffering as a result of not being able to actually have those kind of conversations. So that work led to you writing your a, a book that I want to congratulate you on, uh, your new book, Meaningful Alignment, Mastering Emotionally Intelligent Interactions at Work and in Life. And regular listeners of the show will know that we interviewed your partner in this enterprise on a portion of this work and a little bit about his perspective of the book. And I was so excited to be able to get both of you because we're going to look at it through two different lenses. And how exciting is that? Yes. So tell me a little bit about what led to the writing of the book and the way that you chose to kind of present it. Just as I was mentioning that people really don't have the skills to have the conversations they need to have. Typically, they lack what I call the confidence, competence, and comfort to have those conversations. So we knew we needed to put this work out, like how to help people through that, how to navigate Mm -hmm. those challenging conversations, number one. Number two, the reason we chose the novel format is there's power in story. And people, I think, engage deeper and they resonate more with a story. And we really wanted to take a novel approach basically because we have a main character that we're following basically the life of our main character named Carl, whose life is basically imploding (laughs) both at work and in home, right? And we really wanted to show how if you follow this main character, can you resonate with all the ups and downs that he's going through both at home Mm -hmm. and at work? And certainly the feedback we've received since it's been published, which is, gosh, a little bit less than a month, which is great. It is like a break. It's a newborn. That's so exciting. It's literally hard, you know, hot off the press, as they call it. And we're getting great feedback of people saying, I can relate to Carl. That's my life. Or I see his struggles and I've struggled with that. And, and that's exactly or what I we work mean. with Carl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a peer like his peer in that book, or my wife is like his wife or whatever it is. And, and that's exactly what we were looking for. We wanted people to really resonate and, and to feel Carl's pain, if you will, and but also see 
how he overcomes some of these really tremendous challenges in his life. What a, a neat angle to take. And there are so many books out there. I think that, you know, your differentiator and, and being able to come at it from that angle does make it very readable, very relatable, and yet brings this concept to the front for all of us about how do we effectively handle those high stakes conversations. So when we think about the costs of these conflictual relationships, what are you seeing in your work of how the world, we talked a little bit about some of the things that's impacting the world, but what are you seeing in the organizations that you work with? Yeah, thank you. Excellent question. I mean, what we're seeing are strategies are not aligned because people can't seem to get on the same page with you know, how to tackle a project, how to accomplish a goal. So that means the goals and the targets are not being typically met. Or there's a really poor execution on a goal because there's yeah. all kinds of hurdles and delays. So that means they could potentially be taking, a company could be taking a product or a service and it's slow to market. Now you have competitive pressures because everything's about speed to market today. You know, on some areas, we're looking at turnover of employees because they can't deal with the dysfunction of the organization. Nothing seems to happen. Decisions aren't getting made. So that means low engagement from associates mm-hmm. often and sometimes uh, just declining job satisfaction. And I think we, we all continually hear about how our workforce is disengaged or they may be physically present. Doesn't mean that they're emotionally right. engaged. Their heart may not be there. They may be there out of compliance, but not necessarily out of commitment. Well, when we hear about like the shifts to what millennials are willing to sort of deal with in the workplace or what their expectations are higher and good at them, you know, and, and right. putting up with this kind of dysfunction and not being able to bring their brilliance forth is not going to be tolerated. Agreed. And that's only going to be dialed up yet another notch. We now have the generation underneath, if you will. Yeah behind the millennials, some call them Zs, some call digital natives. They're now entering the workforce and they're going to have even less tolerance and patience. Right. Sort of the nonsense of leadership not getting their act together and getting things going. So what led you to create the kind of program that you did to teach leaders communication skills, to coach their own employees, which I love. I mean, it's one of my passions, you know, coaching in a leadership style to help with conflict resolution. What makes the meaningful alignment in, in your program unique? The biggest thing I would say is unique because there are programs out there that teach people like how do you handle conflict, but we purposely decided to take this in two ways. And one is the inside game, which Dr. Schaefer certainly explained, and that's how are we showing up emotionally in the middle of that conversation? What does our composure and resilience look like? Because you're in this conversation, and if you're in the dialogue or the conversation and the person saying things that are really getting you upset, your ability to be able to maintain that and hold that composure, stay in the game, if you will, and get through, persevere through the emotional roller coaster that might be happening is going to be really important for you to get to the end of that discussion in a successful way. Then there's the whole outside part, which is we felt like we really have to teach people, where do you start? Like, how do you actually start a conversation like this all the way through? How do you end it? 
And now you, you have your own emotional composure we're dealing with, but you also have the emotion of the individual you're talking to. Right. So if they start getting really upset or frustrated, what are ways to facilitate that or manage that to the best of your ability? I mean, I mean we all own our own emotion and I understand that and we all have right. responsibility for our own emotion, but in a leadership role, especially if you're able to navigate through that and able to neutralize any negative emotion through what we call our four emotional management techniques, um, if you're able to do that, then this is have a much better shot of a successful outcome in the end. Right. So yeah, we all have to kind of manage ourselves, but we also have to be aware of how we're being triggered and yeah. what we could do potentially to show up differently for the person that we're talking with, even if they're triggering us. So when no, you talk, and also, yeah. are we accidentally, but with no poor intention, but are we saying and doing things that's triggering the person? In other words, I like to call it adding fuel to the fire. You're just having your conversation, but before you know it, this person's in this potential explosive situation, and you're looking back and going, wow, look at that person with their bad attitude. Well, wait a minute. How much of that did you provoke or cause? So that's the part that I find, especially leaders, are often not mindful or conscious of certain word choices, certain their tone of voice, their body language, uh, not just what they're saying, but is their body and their tone matching up with what they're actually saying? They can have an empathetic response, but does, does the person pick up empathy from this individual? Um, probably not, unless they really feel it or come to a place where they can feel it. So all of that matters in having a successful interaction and ultimately getting to the goal of getting alignment with this person. And how do you help leaders increase their awareness of that? We lot through a lot of training, I mean, and coaching, right? So one-on-one coaching, we talk about that through a lot of powerful questionings to get them to self-discover. How, you know, what is their impact? Another book that I wrote is called Heart Center Leadership. And one of the principles is know the impact of your words and actions. Again, they may not have a poor intention, but there's an impact to their words and actions. Right, right. And so mindfulness around that and having some consciousness and awareness of that is is important in in terms of talking to leaders about that. And then just being aware of, again, how to mitigate sort of risk of this individual they're speaking with regarding their emotional triggers or getting hijacked emotionally. It's the best way to manage through that as well. It sounds as though you do some teaching as well, like you help them understand the four EMTs. Why don't you share what that is for us. And, and I'm sure listeners are, are on the edge of their seats about, well, what's that all about? Yeah, no, th- absolutely. So we teach it in a workshop setting. And so we have a one-day workshop and a two-day workshop where people have the ability to actually get in there, practice having these kind of conversations with the role of what we call a table coach at the table. So let's say we have 20 participants in the class. We will put a table coach at every one of those round tables of five. Oh, whatever, how we break that out. Mm-hmm. And that way, the individual practices a skill. They get just-in-time feedback from the table coach. They're also getting feedback from the other participants at that table. Everyone gets an opportunity to practice what we call a describe-your-own situation. So we all have the conversations that need to be had that we're not having, personally or professionally. And they have an opportunity in the workshop setting to actually try on using the skills we teach to try to come to alignment in a role play situation where it's safe. This is the place to make all the mistakes. This is where you get all the feedback from the coach at the table, as well as, of course, the other individuals who all will have a feedback role at the table as well for each other's practice. 
So we teach it in class, but certainly when we're coaching our leaders, which we do, of course, a lot of executive coaching as well, we will also role play with them on a one-on-one, or we Mm -hmm. will just go through the steps with them and say, how would you see this working? What would get in the way of it not work, you know, et cetera. Just kind of get them acclimated to the steps and the processes and make sure they understand what they even mean and give them an opportunity to practice it. And how are you seeing the leaders engage in that kind of practice? They actually, um, they love it. I mean, so at first it's a little bit like, you want me to do what? <laughs> so for example, one of our emotional management techniques is all about active listening, right? And so one of the things that I did is just literally role play or do drills, as I like to call it, with one of my, one of my coaching clients. Mm-hmm. And I did, okay, I'm just going to say all these things to you, but I want you to active listen back. I want you to reflectively listen to what I'm saying, for the facts and the feeling, not just the words I'm saying back, not just regurgitate back, but I want you to also pick up the essence of the feeling underneath the words and give them some practice drills around that. So I've done that in a one-on-one setting. And how are you seeing that organize? Because you've been doing this a long time, Susan. Yeah. So what, if any, changes are you seeing in organizations in their valuing communication? Thank you for the question, because what a lot of our clients are telling us since they've gone through this training is, oh my gosh, that was a game changer. I mean, we are having interactions with each other. Just as an example, I remember in one of our first pilot classes, the two gentlemen that were in the classroom together that were not on the same page and everybody knew it, it was the elephant in the room, (laughs) that this department and this department leaders do not get along. And of course, it's impacting all their direct reports and teams because they know those two individuals could not get along. And even though they were going through training together and it was a bit awkward knowing they're learning the same six-step process. Right, right. It's going to get used when they're in conversation. But they rolled with it and said, hey, listen, what we've been doing isn't working. We're both up for doing something that's going to be working. And the organization, of course, is putting pressure on them to do that as well. And they came back and said, you know what? We will probably never go get the beer together. But... Our team's interaction is so much better now that the two of us are interacting so much more effectively. So those kind of stories we hear all the time, that we're having the conversations that we couldn't have before. They're much more successful than they were before. We're actually approaching conversations with people we not, would not have before. And all of that is a home run for us because that's why we do this work. So powerful. So you gave a hint about the six steps. Let's talk a little bit about the meaningful alignment process and the six steps that re- to resolve conflict. Yes, absolutely. So the first step is what we call introduce the reason for the conversation you're having with the person. Now that sounds really simple, <laughs> but the reality but is... But I can imagine it's overlooked as well. It's overlooked yeah. all the time. And, and so many leaders and people we know go from meeting to meeting to meeting and they literally jump in because it's on their calendar to be in this meeting with this person at X time. And they haven't really caught up or prepared, unfortunately, which we spend a lot of time in our training talking about the power and the importance of preparing for, especially this kind of a conversation. Right. But often they don't. They just they just jump in and two, three minutes goes by. The person has no idea what they're there to talk to them about. And we've all experienced that. So yeah. 
For that reason, we made that an emphatic step. Your first step is to actually say, the reason I wanted to speak with you today is X. And then we also are using along the way our four emotional management techniques that helps neutralize negative emotion, keeps the person in the game emotionally to hang in there with you. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing things like showing what we call positive self-regard. So you're saying to the individual, thank you for meeting with me today. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. It means a lot to me that you would have that willingness to meet with me today. So you're starting off on the right foot by enhancing or at least maintaining their positive self-regard at the same time that you're accomplishing one of the six steps, which is the reason I wanted to talk to you today is fill in the blank. Well, and Susan, you said something that I think is so important. You said, you know, it just is is common sense or that that feels, but, and and I want the audience to realize that there are things that might be common sense to us, or we might think, you know, positive regard. Well, of course, but well, that's not information that necessarily everybody has or utilizes. So there is incredible power. I think we have a tendency sometimes to downplay what comes natural to us and reduce the value of that. And when in fact, as you said, this, these steps can be game changers in the way that people get along with one another and the way that companies or organizations are able to produce the results that they want. So I just wanted to really highlight that, that piece of don't assume that people already know that or realize the value of whatever it is that you as a coach might be partnering with them around. Just because it comes natural to you doesn't necessarily mean it comes natural to them. So I'll get off my soapbox about no, that. It's an you- excellent point. <laughs> second nature for us, not so second nature to a lot of people sitting out there. <laughs> and part of the reason for the, the, the partnership. So the first step is make sure that everybody understands why we're there or what the person exactly. is there. And then the second? So the second step is to identify what the problem or the issue or the opportunity may be. In other words, this is, this is what's working or not working, or this is our opportunity. So the second step would be, what do you understand the opportunity to be? What do you understand the issue to be at hand? And notice as I go through the rest of these steps, you're going to hear me continually reinforce the fact that we're asking the individual first before right. we share. And that, that in and of itself is another game changer. If you ask the person, what do you see as the issue? What do you see as the problem or opportunity? It could be a positive situation. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this organization just scored this huge account. We have an opportunity to get aligned on the best way to proceed. That's a positive situation, but we still have to get aligned. So right. what is the opportunity, issue, need, problem? And it also buys you time by asking them first to maintain or regain, if needed, your own composure. If you hear something you think is just way off, and, but it buys you time by throwing it out to them, right? We call that a deflection. We deflect the question to them first, give them the opportunity to answer first. That also shows positive self-regard by doing that because almost nobody gets that opportunity. Usually the person starts to bulldoze. Well, I think it's this and I think it's that. And I think this is the solution. And, we're, and what we're really sh- asking them to shift their thinking on is asking the other person first. Then you offer your own. Right. So that's and I'm sure for some that. leaders that this is, I know I've encountered with some leaders. Well, but I'm the expert. I know already. I don't have time to wait yes. and, and ask. So being able to 
help them understand that whole concept of get curious before you get knowing. Right. Yeah. And I love what you said, because that's exactly what you'll hear is, I don't have time for that. I'm crystal clear on what the issue is. I'm crystal clear on what the solution is. And this person just needs to do it. Well, you know, good luck with that. As we know, as coaches, that is never going to pull it, right? They have not to be- bring the same kinds of results anyway that they're really looking for. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So the third step is to discuss the impact of this issue. This is another really important step because we often get into assumption that we, that of course this person understands the impact of the situation. And, and if you don't ask and ask first, again, what do you see is the impact of this issue? If we're not able to gain alignment on this, what do you think is the impact of that? Mm-hmm. And when that person responds, you again on a silver platter get great information to know what's in their head because they may be answering that question and you're looking at that and going, oh, well, that's an impact, but that's like one piece of a much bigger impact issue. And now you know that because they didn't come forward with that. So again, provide you all this great information and then you're able to offer, yes, I agree with you. And I also see the impact to be A, B, C, D, and E. Does that make sense to you? Right. And, and when we can say, I agree, and we already have the person, we'd love to be agreed with, so, but we, <laughs> we don't have anything to agree with if we don't stop and ask first. Yes, absolutely. The next step then is to brainstorm those solutions and ideas. And I truly mean brainstorm. And I always, always suggest get as many possible solutions as you can. In case one doesn't work, you've got others to fall back on. If you land on one and think we're done and that one doesn't work, you're going to be more frustrating as you're back in conversation again. Whereas if you keep going and looking for two or three possibilities, one of those two or three should land and make, and this thing should work. So once again, we're asking them, you know, thank you for sharing what you've shared. I really appreciate what you've contributed here. Again, positive self-regard, empathetic listening is another one of our emotional management techniques or mindful listening, being fully present through all of this as you're asking, you're truly listening, taking notes, doing the things to really show and indicate that you really care what they're saying and you understand what they're saying. And so that's a great idea. What else? What else? What else? What else? And here's what I'm thinking. What do you think of that? So again, it's co-created, but still asking them first. And then the next step is the one that is often most missed, which creates the biggest problem. (laughs) And what that one is, is summarizing what you think you heard. Because what happens is everybody says, oh, well, we just brainstormed. We're good. Like, we all know what we're doing. Everybody's fine. Time to end this meeting. And no, you think you've communicated, but you need to know you've communicated. So this step is where you're saying, here's what I'm understanding we're doing. So you're going to do A, B, C, and D by X date. Did I get that right? What did I miss? And then you can say, and and I'm going to be doing these things. Did I get that right? What have I missed? So now you're really sure before you leave this meeting that you're on the same page. And then your your final step really is to conclude, thank them and set a follow-up date. And we are, this is another very important piece. We can't just end and say, thank you for your time today and walk away. By setting the follow-up date, you're showing accountability. Mm-hmm. showing the seriousness of the issue. We are going to be following up and we want to make sure these ideas have worked. And if they have worked, then that's great. You already have a date on the calendar. 
to say, hey, you know what? Things are really working. Thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you for taking this seriously. I appreciate the partnership, you know, all those kinds of things. If it's not working, you already have a date set up to say, hey, I noticed that this was working, but this one's not working as well. What have you noticed? And you kind of go back into conversation too. Um, But either way, you're set up by having the date and time established for that follow-up meeting. So as you talk about these six steps, so many of them reflect what we do as coaches, right? Yes. And, and yet put them in language that is, I think, palatable to the leaders. And so when you are working with a leader or a group of leaders mm-hmm. and you're helping them with this meaningful alignment process and they begin to see results, can you tell me a little bit about what, what you see, what you experience through your clients' eyes? Yes, what they share with us is that their ability and their confidence, competence, and comfort to be able to do this conversation where they probably would have avoided, especially if they happen to have avoided tendency or very cautious nature, which is also part of what we do in our training is, as Robert, um, Dr. Schaefer, Robert would have shared with you that we have, a, we have a model that we use that people are able to take the assessment and determine for this kind of a conversation, how are you more likely to show up? So especially the individual who is one to potentially avoid the conversation, they feel so much more skillful because mm-hmm. they practice with feedback They've role played with their, we, we always recommend role play with one of the, your partners in the room that you've gone through training with. You've all gone through this together. Right. Let that person we all be vulnerable together. Exactly. We're all, together, this is right. the place and time to make all the mistakes again before you go live with a real individual. So what we're hearing is that the alignment is beginning to happen. The confidence to do this well has grown. Competence and comfort to do this has grown and decisions are getting made faster And especially where there was relationships that were not necessarily uh, working, those relationships are now starting to get on track. So we're hearing all of that, which has been, you know, of course, the whole reason we're doing this work. So as coaches, you know, we we do this because we want to get back. We want to help in a system and help others be the best they can be. So that's music to our ears when we hear that. Absolutely. Now, I'm I'm going to ask something that I don't know whether it even applies. I'm curious about how the assessment and the feedback that the clients get from the assessment, how it can be used in a group or team setting, if at all. Yeah, thank you. We do. In fact, what we do is with every one of the trainings or class workshops we've done, we do a team profile. So each individual went online, took the 15-minute you know, assessment, which we offer to everybody right now, especially since we just launched the book. If they go to meaningfulalignment.com and just take the assessment for free, the report, they'll be sent an email, the report comes back to they can print it off and get their own results. So each individual has that, but what we do is a team profile. So we'll say, okay, everybody in this room, this is the profile of the members of this room. And they'll be able to see, and of course, it's great, rich discussion. Like, what do you see here that surprises you or doesn't surprise you? How is what you see working for you and serving you? How is it not serving you? What's getting in the way for this, the health of this team and ultimately the health of this organization as a result of that? And what are ways to overcome that? So that's the, the path we'll take when we do their team profile. So powerful. 
because it all comes down to communication. I'm yes. such a believer that pretty much everything has a thread back to communication, if not just the whole solid floor is relating to how we relate to one another. What have I not asked you about the outside game mm-hmm. that we want to be sure that we cover in our time together today? I think almost all of it's really, I would just say a couple other there's a couple more of those emotional management techniques that we are really the purpose of that is that you're dealing with a whole human being sitting there right in this mm-hmm. conversation. And we know that every individual has two big bucket, if you will, primary needs that need to be met in this conversation. And one is that personal ego need, which is where the four emotional management techniques come in. And then the other is we need to get some kind of a positive outcome out of this thing. Like we've got to move the needle here and get this goal attained. And that is more the practical need. The six steps help guide you to get the practical need done. But the gateway in and the window for success is for sure going to be meeting that ego personal need as well. So I alluded to some of that, and this is to be used throughout the entire conversation, especially where it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So for example, maintaining or enhancing that self-regard, we talked about that all the way through. So opening up with thanking them. What a great idea that is. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. All Those are examples of using that particular one. Right. Um, certainly the empathetic responding. So people are telling me, well, I think the Aries is this, and it's really frustrating to me. Well, appropriate and perfect time to be responding with that to that person in a very empathetic way. You don't have to agree to empathize with somebody. And that's where people get tripped up. You can empathize with their feeling and their fact that they're expressing without necessarily agreeing. The other is listening actively and mindfully, full presence, direct eye contact, shaking head, taking notes, all the things that the body language suggests is actually listening. And then the fourth is inviting participation. What are your ideas? What do you think? What's the solution? And that's embedded anyway in the six-step process. But those four things Mm -hmm. are what's going to help keep the emotions neutralized, um, especially if it's a really tense kind of a situation. And I always share with people, listen, remember, when people are nervous or scared, depending on the conversations you've had in the past with this individual, they're taking the history of that into this conversation, whether you like it or not. Right. And how they were treated or how they felt about the previous ones, they're bringing all that into this dialogue. So if they're really nervous or on guard about what you're going to say and do here, they're not going to hear half of these emotional management techniques that I've suggested. You're going to have to really layer that thick (laughs) in order for them to even catch a third of them. Yet it will be the gateway in and that person feeling safe. Like Mm -hmm. this is going to be a safe conversation because this person's treating me with respect and they're genuinely interested in listening to what I have to say. And if you don't create that safety, you're never going to get that goal obtained. So important. As we wrap up, Susan, I'm wondering, could you just with like highlight the six steps and then the four EMTs? Sure. The four EMTs are, again, a maintainer enhancing self-regard, listening actively and mindfully, inviting participation, and empathetic responding. So those are the four that really keeps that ego, personal need met as you're on your merry way in your conversation. And then the actual six-step process is introduce the reason for the conversation, making sure that you're always inviting them to speak up before you, identify what the problem, issue, or opportunity is, a step two, 
Step three is discuss the impact of this problem, opportunity, or issue. Step four is to brainstorm ideas, solutions, remedies. The fifth one is to summarize all that you have come to agreement with, check for understanding, and check for alignment. And then the last is to conclude with a follow-up date. Perfect. Such important work. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to bring it to us so that we can really take advantage of the volume of research and sort of experience that you've had that you've then created this process around. How can people get a hold of the Meaningful Alignment book? Yes. Yeah, so um, a couple of ways. So they can go to Amazon, of course, and purchase it there. Our website directly, which is MeaningfulAlignment.com. And they can purchase it there as well. And just find out more all about this work of Meaningful Alignment, certainly going to our website. So important. And the fact that you have your assessment available right now for people to take, there will be a link in the show notes for you to be able to access that as long as it's available. We don't know how long that'll be available, but it's available right now. So take advantage of that. Susan, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity to be with you. I really appreciate it. Any anytime that I can help spread the word of this work, we feel like we're really fulfilling our purpose. And that is so heartwarming. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. So there you are, two different authors talking about meaningful alignment from two different perspectives. Once again, if you didn't catch episode 143, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. And then obviously this episode of 144, talking about the outside game, whereas with Dr. Robert Schaefer last week, we talked about the inside game. Put them both together and it's all about effective communication, about helping our clients show up in a way that is going to help increase their productive conversations. And I just want to reinforce that the interpersonal dialogue profile, the assessment that has been created with the Meaningful Alignment book is available currently to take for free at MeaningfulAlignment.com. There's a menu item for the free assessment. That link is also in the show notes for both this episode and the episode for 143. I want to thank you for joining the show and hope that you're walking away each and every week with something that is useful that you can implement in your business, in your work with clients immediately. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you are enjoying the show, share the show, rate and review us so that more and more coaches find out about the Star Coach Show and the resources that are available. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Be sure to tune in every week as the lineup of guests that I have coming is amazing. They very well complement the guests that we've already had. And I thank you for being here with us. Have a great week.